Oh, welcome well, back. Welcome back to Don't Be, be an, an Idiom. Episode episode twenty three. Three is twenty three. It's twenty three. Twenty three and me. <laughs> That's a thing, right? This episode is sponsored by Twenty Three and Me. Uh, find your what's that about DNA? It probably means did not attack. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, welcome, welcome back, Al. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You're welcome. We're we're recording our second episode in Barcelona, and it's the last episode we're recording in Barcelona. Yes, it is. Um, this is the last Barcelona edition. Yeah, it's for the best. This room's a little echoey. Yeah. Do you notice that? Now that you pointed out. No, sorry. But that's fine. Anyway, so Ryan and I just got back from our very fancy European road trip. Mm-hmm. How many of you out there have done that? It's a lot of people. Uh, they are yelling. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we just thought we would uh, jump right in and talk about a couple things before we got started. Yeah, what are we going to... Oh, we didn't do our intro. This is the podcast that... Do we, oh. do we not need to do that? Oh, right. Yeah, this is Don't Be an Idiom. I mean, I think only people that... Are, the podcast that explores the, origin the root, root of all evil, mm-hmm. of all language. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. And that's it. Oh, yeah. I think we... That's fine. No, oh, this is good. You did good. All right, cool. All right, so we're going to talk about the road trip for a little bit. So we went on this dang road trip. Which is interesting because we came up with the idea for this podcast on a road trip many years ago. Right. And now look, look at us this. now. Yeah. What were your favorite things? Some, some things that you liked. Well, we can't get to that part yet. Oh, because we have a list. Right, yeah, we, yeah. Have, we have a list here. Okay, usually Ryan gets to hold this sheet, but I got it today. Yeah. First thing we're going to talk about is Enrique. Enrique. So Enrique was the host of our all-vegan bed and breakfast in the beautiful city of Anso. Mm-hmm. It was more like a village than a city. City village <laughs> of Ansel. By the way, I didn't know that it was all vegan, and I didn't know that it was a bed and breakfast. Yes, he My did bad. not do that on purpose, but apparently first vegan kitchen, did yeah. he say? Uh, he said restaurant. Restaurant. Even though it's just the kitchen of the bed All and of Europe started 40 years ago. He, and it was there. So you want to fact check that? You go look up Posada Magoria. That's good. Dot com. But they made us dinner. It was vegan and breakfast. Yes. Was vegan. And I didn't have a great second breakfast. Uh, but yeah. we'll get to that later. Yes, we will get to that later. So right, what's so, so special about Enrique? Well, Enrique is like one of those guys when you meet him, he's just like, he's like, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I've been awake for two days. But then you ask him where to go swimming and he's like, ah, Albert, this is the best idea. Best idea. Vegan brain. Vegan brain. Great idea. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm not vegan anymore. And he's like, yes, more. Best brain. <laughs> anyway, he showed us the greatest swimming hole, and it was very fresh. He liked the word fresh. Yeah, he used fresh for anything that was good. Yeah, well, he said his English wasn't so good. so. But he, it was good. It was great. Much better, much better English than you or I. Right. So... Enrique was great. Um, then I got, I woke up this morning on Ryan's couch and I had a tick on my thigh. <laughs> and that just rubbed you the wrong really way. Really just rubbed me the wrong way. 
Uh, well, maybe I have a tick too. I just haven't found it yet. A nervous tick? I, I'm not. <laughs> I definitely have some nervous ticks. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll look of it. I'm going to wait a few days and then I'm going to look. Right. I like to put those things off. All right. So I think, so here's what we got next. Yeah. It's either Gary or the top five. We'll just do the top five since we're talking about the road trip, right? Let's talk about we'll, the top five. Then we'll five. move on to other things. That sounds good. That makes the most sense. And then we'll, we'll get to the actual point of the, the podcast. All right. So anyway, we, we went on this European road trip and we decided that we were going to not tell each other what our top five memories were. Mm-hmm. So we wrote them separately. Right. And we're going to share them with you now. But there is a caveat. Yeah, there's a caveat. Uh... Which is French. If we each have the same top five memory in the same, in the same order. yeah, in the same placement. Slot. Right. Slot. <laughs> slot. If we both have the same memory in the same slot, then we have to dose besos each other, which means we have to double kiss. Yeah, like, like the know, side of the chick. You know how like Europeans chick, like, when they mwah, mwah. Yeah, mwah, mwah. we have to do that in front of all of you. Right. So we'll see what happens. All right, so here we go. It is the road trip top five. All right, what's your top? What's your five? Number All right, five. so five is the worst, even though it's good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, what is it? Number five, finding that bone on the hike in Linza. Wow. Okay, I remember that. My number five is um, in the end of our hike, seeing ponies with bells on their necks. That was good. <laughs> Yes. Just out there in the middle of the field, they were, you know, making bell sounds. And I was like, who owns those ponies? That was beautiful. And okay. you could hear the bells too. Yeah. All right. It's no kisses there. Number no, four. Yeah. Number you four. go first this time. Enrique pretending to dump a baby in the christening well when he showed us the church. Shit. That's good. Because <laughs> there was like a, where you christen babies in the, the local church of Unso. He was like, come look at this. You make good Christians here. And he swung open the door loudly and there was a whole well. And as opposed to just a little. And, it was just, it was and he so, said, uh, even in winter, dunk it in. If it not dead, good Christian. <laughs> Yeah. So great. Enrique. All right. Mine was the La Hot Dog Royale in Barritz. Oh, yeah. You had a big hot dog. You should have seen the guy that gave it to me. He was happy to shout it out. He was. He did a little he did a little American baseball game impression. He was like, hot dog. Do you hot remember that? Hot dog with multi sauce. Uh, number three. Me. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> that was Enrique saying. This is the best idea, Albert. When I asked him, can we swim in the river? Yeah. Uh, You've probably never heard those words before. No, no one ever says it's the best idea. So I can see why that might stand out to you. It was shocking. My number three was when Albert found a cow bone on our hike. Oh, God. (laughs) See, this is why the slots are so important, people. He found the cow bone and then made it look like his dong. Americans love to do that. That's, that's a Rick and Morty joke. That's a number five. If, if we were just... Nah. All right. Number two, right? Mm-hmm. Your turn first. Mm-hmm. Um, eating a cheese plate in Bordeaux. I like cheese. That was a very nice cheese plate. Thank you. And we didn't even think that was going to be dinner. And then it became dinner because it was that big of a cheese plate. It was a lot. <laughs> yes. Um, my number two was actually when we found the accidental lake... In the Andorra Mountains, mm-hmm. right behind are... Uh, bell ponies. Bell ponies, oh. like right, right there, yeah. But yes. <laughs> you meant right behind where we were yes, staying. Yes, yes, like we went up on this beautiful hike, and then it was this beautiful lake. See, mm-hmm. the slots, that was one of yours. Yeah. 
That was close. We'd be kissing all over this town if it wasn't for the slots. <laughs> Thank God for slots. <laughs> and what was your number one? Number one was that um, stray cat with the distended belly in <laughs> Anso that let me pet it for a Jesus while. Jesus Christ. I cannot believe you touched stray cats. It was cute. <sighs> cute. And that's probably where you got the tick from. Oh, cruel fate. <laughs> uh, my number one was the melted Gruyere cheese in Andorra. Oh, my top two are both cheese. cheese. Yeah, nice. I think about cheese. All right, people. So no kisses here today. So, you know, put your... Put your pants back put on. Put your pants back on and your, get your minds out of the gutter because it's time for the real deal. The re- it's idiom time for all. It's, wait, we, I thought we had other things to say. Um, no, no, we'll do this at the, at the end. Oh, or, or actually, you, do, you know what? What, what else so do we, we have? we got Gary and then, the, then we have the, the thing about the, um, <clears throat> the lists. All right, let's do the list at the end. Right, so Gary. All right, all right. so all right. before we get started here, yeah. we in, also want to announce a couple important things. Yeah, this is the, we have one announcement, and then we'll get to the idioms. Um, in between our last recording, uh, which was in uh, New Year's, and this recording, Albert and I had a phone conversation, right? We did. We had and a phone we, conversation. And we, um, and we came up with a, a really big idea. Right. So, so you want to talk about the deets? Yeah, so go to Barnes & Noble in a few days. And we're gonna, you're going to be finding the Don't Be an Idiom presents mm-hmm. willy-nillies, any idiot can do it, easy crockpot recipes for the bachelor in your life with a foreword by Gary Larson. That's right, Gary Larson. So we're going to make... Of the far side. We're going to make a cookbook and Gary Larson, the illustrator, comic of Far Side is going to write the foreword for the cookbook. Yes, and we're going to have uh, ma- matching cartoons for each of the recipes, right? It'll make sense. Yeah, and like the cartoons will swim in the, in the recipes. They'll swim in the recipes? Well, like, like it's a crockpot stuff. It's like basically all a bunch of quicksand jokes. The, <laughs> the other thing, <laughs> the other unrelated piece of news that we have is it's also the year of the Garshank Lardemption. Right. And that's going to be uh, starting... Next this week, week, next this week, week. <laughs> we and you as listeners can write to Gary Larson mm-hmm. every week mm-hmm. um, until he agrees to uh, make a don't be an idiom logo for us right. uh, with, with far side representations of, the two of, of Ryan and I <clears throat> yeah. as, as far side characters. Right. So I imagine there there might be a bear in the scene, yes. or we might be in in hell, or like a snake or, with glasses. Sna- yeah, classic. Um, but we think this is right up Gary Larson's. Uh, we think this is Wheelhouse. in the Q zone. <laughs> it's in the Q zone. <laughs> um, but you can also join us in writing Gary Larson every week until he agrees to do this. Yes, he's still alive. Um, and you know, look him up. Look, it's very yeah. You can find his address in any yellow pages. Yeah, just let him know we need him, and there will be no pay. The pay <laughs> is the notoriety, right? And I'm all, we should also, I mean, how are we going to get him to do the forward to the cookbook? Right. No, we'll worry about it later. We'll write to him. We'll write to him. Once <laughs> we have him on the hook, we got him. <laughs> okay. All right, so thanks for your participation in that. It's really important to us. 
And to you, and to you, the listener. It's also, it's the most Think listen. about you're the. What if you're the one? Your letter is the one that brings the tear to Gar's eye, and then you can and wear the T-shirt. Says, I'm coming out of retirement. We're gonna make posters. They're gonna sell them in Spencer's uh, gift stores and flashbacks. Flashback, yeah. And we're just going for it. All right. All right. All right. I think that's most of the business that we had planned. It is, and now it's time for the show. Who goes first? Right. All right, so we always have a game. Yeah. Today's game is uh, basically, it's, uh, it's a little uh, container that have cat, three cats on it <laughs> that my- Shocker. That my student, uh, my favorite student, Savannah, gave me uh, for an end of the year present that she found in her old, in her mom's old boyfriend's <laughs> basement. But it's not that he's the old boyfriend, he's an old man. They're like really different in ages. Okay, good. So she's like, so I got this for you. I found it in the basement. And it didn't stink at all. Great. <clears throat> so what we also have in here is five dice. And the, the little dots are actually skull heads. That's cool. Which were also a gift from my friend Renee at work. A lot of, a lot of gifts here. I get zero gifts from people I work with and but students. That's because you're rude to them. Oh. So here's what we're going to do. Oh. We're just going to shake them up each... We're going to see what we get, and yeah. um, highest number goes first. Uh-huh. So I, I got them in my hand. I'm going to go first. If you want to take bets on who's going to win this, I bet you can make a lot of money. That's it. Whoa. Oh, Jesus. There are, a lot, there are a lot of high numbers on there. Two sixes, two fives, and a one. Mm-hmm. It's 23. It's 23. <laughs> Episode 23. Holy shit. Woo. That's crazy. All right. I'm going to pack them up for Rye. Thanks. Play me out. I'm probably going to get, what's two plus three? Five. Ryan's going to get less than the amount of dice there are. Oh, my God. Another pretty good one. Another pretty good one. Two sixes, a four, a two, and a one. Yeah. Do you know how many that is? Look who's going first. This is what I know what that number is. <laughs> it's 19. Um, okay. All right, everybody. Shocker. Let's dive right into this beast, yes? Uh-huh. Uh-huh? Yep. All right, Ryan, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've gone first. It's been a long time since you've let me stay here, so mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I curry favor with you. Whoa. <laughs> Is that what you picked? No, it's Damn not. Damn it, we thought this was the one this week. I did think it would be, this would be the one. Yes. Okay. Curry favor. Why don't you give me give me the some meaning. guesses about? Uh, you can't smoke in here. What? You can't smoke in your house. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? I thought I looked like you were reaching for cigarettes. No. All right, let's do it. Um, usually we do the meaning. The meaning. First. What What do you think it means? Uh, to curry favor is to. Um, isn't it to kind of like. Uh, um, mm, <laughs> To like sort of like suck up to someone or to like be to like brown nose someone so you can get on their good side. Yes, that's an acceptable answer. Here's yeah. what I've got. Yeah, give here. me the specific one. Though. Here's what I got from my book, Endangered yeah. Phrases. To integrate oneself through flattery or a willingness to please. Mm. So that's what you said, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just want to get on someone's good side, you know? Yeah, sure, 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 sure. sure, 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 sure. And now the most creative part. Any <clears throat> origin ideas? Yeah. Okay. Origin ideas. 
I think, um, you know, a lot of our, I feel like a lot of the origins that we've, we've found throughout this process have been like British imperialists, yes. you know, w- white British imperialists yes. with uh, khaki colored suits mm. and, um, you know, they have servants building them tents wherever they go, things yes. like that, you know, no offense to the Brits. No. We, the Americans have certainly done some horrible things. Currently still doing horrible things. Yes. The British have done some bad things, too. And this is where this, the origin story starts. British imperialism. Okay. Of India. Oh. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this some guy named John. John something. John uh-huh. Smithinson. Okay. Or uh, Smith and... Smith and... Uh, hold on. Smithburg. John Smithberg <laughs> is in India, and he, he's got and he's, well, he's rich an, with khakis. He's on an expedition. They always are. Yeah, yeah. Haven't we found enough people? <laughs> no, it's always more money to be made. That's true. So uh, John John Smithinson Smithberg goes, uh, you know, sailing to India along the. The, the, you know, what's that called? The path to India from Britain. Oh, the Tiber. The t- No, that's, that's <laughs> a river in Rome. Ah, the Euphrates. It's the Euphrates. And uh, he wants to start his own importing, exporting business. Ah. Right? Yeah. He's got, he's got some money to spend. Um, and, uh, and, and he knows where, where to spend where it. Where to spend it. <laughs> so he gets, to, he gets to India, right? And he doesn't speak any of the language there. Sure. Right. And all the other British imperialists don't want anything to do with him because they've got their own business on the side. Right. Okay. They're not going to let him get in on the good stuff. Sure. So he needs to do quite a bit of brown nosing. Ah, yes. He needs to. Can you can you read the meaning again of the? Oh yes, it's to integrate oneself through flattery yes. or a willingness Perfect. to please. Okay, so he finds, you know, he's walking through he, through the markets of of Delhi. You know, he's he's like, this is like a fantastic world. What is all of this? And like the the spices, the spices and the colors and the the the, the flavors. And uh, John Smithson Smithberg uh, goes down a small alley, and he he uh, he meets he finally meets someone who he he can do business with. Okay, it's uh-huh. a beautiful woman. Whoa, which is unusual because at the time this would have been the every know, woman was 1800s. ugly <laughs> in the early eighteen hundreds. Every woman was ugly, uh, right? Um, no, but mo- there weren't many female business owners. You know what I right. mean, but. She she was actually working for her husband, oh, you know, oh. and and her beauty was to appeal to the the yes. Westerners. Yes, at the time, um, this isn't this is history. <laughs> yes, this I'm, is not sexism <laughs> at all. Here. I'm I'm don't all shoot for, the messenger here. Thank you. So John Smithson is is taken. He's taken back. He's like the the beauty of this woman. I gotta buy spices from her, and. And he, he tries. He goes, I got an idea for an importing-exporting business. Uh, he doesn't, he, you know, they, they can't communicate, but he draws a map. He's like, import, export, the boats. And uh, she, she's like, okay, like, uh, I, I, can, I, can, I can agree on one thing to, to import and export. And he's like, what's that? He's like, curry. Curry. Right. I knew it. And it is 
the flavor of the century. And he's like blown away by it. And she says, she says just have to do a few things for me. And, um, you oh. know, yeah. And he's like, okay, yeah, like whatever you want. Like I want this, I want to get this deal, you know, done. In the bag. In the bag. <laughs> um, so she has him do a series of things that are... Um, gross. <laughs> really gross. <laughs> okay. She's got to do a lot of... He has to do 10 gross things. Okay. Uh, we don't have time to get into all those things here. And, and um, that's where a grocery list comes from. Right. That's a different idiom origin. But eventually, all of the favors he does for her to get the curry business going. Boom. You know, the curry flavor. Curry favor. Yes. You got to do a favor to get the flavor of the curry. It makes so much sense. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get to. You got to do the favor to get the flavor. And then he returned back to London with a ship full of curry. Uh, But she duped him. What was it? Dust. Just, just regular, regular dust? Regular dust. God. But he didn't know the difference. They were all in boxes. But right. he, he ate the dust. He bit the dust. That's right. <laughs> he could bite the dust from eating the dust. Oh, um, man. Perfect. And yeah. wrong. But oh. <laughs> I feel like this is where everyone goes when they think of this term, curry favor, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um. There was even that joke on that show. Uh, what show? Uh, 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 what's that one that you like? The guy got stuck in the... You kept mm-hmm. talking about it on the trip. He gets stuck in the mm-hmm. narrow parking spot. What? Oh, Master of None. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. They Remember they oh, do Jesus, that I'm whole sorry. like... They do the whole racist joke about yeah. the curry favorite thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, It has nothing to do with well, curry. I don't, I don't think I actually thought it had anything to do with curry. But I no, just... No, no, I had no, to no. go with my first guess. No, no, I'm saying on that show. Oh, that yeah, guy yeah. made that comment. Yeah. Right? Because... Mm. Right. Anyway, if you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But curry favor, how are you not going to go with curry? It's the only word that sounds like curry. <laughs> right. So... But it has nothing to do with curry the spice. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what one of the definitions of curry is? Curry? That has nothing to do with <clears throat> spice? I mean, I know. You don't even have to guess. I I got it right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, tell me. What were you going to say? Courier. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No. Okay. To clean the coat of an animal, such as a horse, I'm putting in parentheses here, with a curry comb. What's a curry comb? Yes! (laughs) We did not rehearse this, people. I have the definition of a curry comb. It's a comb made of metallic teeth or serrated ridges, and used especially to curry horses. Now, don't ask me what curry horses is, because you already know it's about cleaning a yeah, horse, yeah, right? Cleaning the horse. So I got a picture for you. Yeah, yeah, let me see it. And I wrote here, show pick. Show pig? You're the pig. So, oh. that, my friend, is a curry comb. Are those still used today? Still used. Hmm. And then The same f- comb. Same style comb. Here is how oh. to use it and not to use it. Wow. Don't use it on their legs or their face. Guys, basically it's like whenever you see a thing, like a person like brushing down a horse. Right. That's a curry comb. Hmm. Yeah. I, uh, that's a surprise Are you still confused? I'm not confused. I just didn't know. Well, there's still a lot of information that I need about the curry favor. Yes. All right. So I wanted to start with a little bit of definition because I thought it would help kind of get us where we're going. So now you're thinking horses, right? Horses, of course. Brushes, horses. Brushes. All right. So where this comes from, it's like an old term called 
curryenne favel, hmm. which is to curry a chestnut hmm. or like brownish or fallow colored horse. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This term, curry favor, it's actually something that's known as an egg corn. What? That's a, Have that's you a, ever <clears throat> heard of an egg a, corn? Yeah, yeah, that's a. That's a st- that's a type of uh, word, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. it's a that? word or phrase that results from the mishearing or misinterpretation of another. Misinterpretation <laughs> is not a word. Misinterpretation ah. of another word. Okay, an element of the original being substituted for one which sounds very similar. And I bet you're going to tell me what the original word that was eventually misinterpreted was. Yes. Okay. Well, it was. Yes, well, com- I'm going to tell you where it comes from. Okay. All right. So it comes from this old story called Roman de Favelle. Wow. And in French, that's in French. Your French it, is getting really good after this. I was in trip. France this week. <laughs> I was so much in France. So, okay, here's what it means in English. <laughs> Romance of Favelle. And Favelle is a person. Ah, 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 so not so much. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. It's a French poem by Gervais Dubois. It's a three thousand Dubois. It's a three thousand two hundred and eighty octosyllabic, uh, made of octosyllabic rhyming couplets, and it's made of two books. So there's book one and book two. Mm-hmm. Book one was finished in thirteen ten, and book two was in thirteen fourteen. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And it's a morality play that condemns the abuses in contemporary political and religious life. Mm. Apparently, there were a lot of those back then. So, okay, here's how the story goes. Basically, uh, there's this horse named Favel that is like, I don't want to live in the stable anymore. So he decides to move into like the best room in the main house of the palace. Hmm. And then he like makes a deal with Lady Fortune. Yeah. which is like the goddess of fate. Yeah. Yeah. And she makes him the head of the house and the head of the royal palace. And all of these church and secular leaders from far and wide, they come around and make pilgrimages just to see him and brush him clean. Wow. And this is in quotes, so that no dung can remain on him. Dung can dung. remain him. So that no dung can remain on him. <laughs> And side note, me and Ryan saw dung beetles on yeah. a hike the yeah. other day, and it was, it was so gross. It was gross. Anyway, so the uh, so people are coming all from all over to yes, clean, keep the horse clean. Yes, because they are now currying favel. Hmm. Curry favel, curry favor. Hmm. Do you see where the egg corn could happen? I do now. Yes. Excellent. All right. I'm just going to take you down a little etymology stream here real quick. All right, okay. here's how it goes. We fucked it up in the early 16th century. That that's, where like... the egg, that's where the egg corn happened. Like, used to be curry favel, and we turned it into curry favor. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah. Um, but it really comes back from the, four, the 1400s. No, 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 the 14th century. From... Um, uh, it's an old French carrière favel, which is to be false or the literal meaning, which comes from this story. Like, like that's what it meant. But then like the, this story, it comes from the story to curry the chestnut horse. And uh, what else is important with that? 
Yes. So his name is Favel. Yes. Yeah. Here's how it goes. After like all these people are like paying attention to him, all these important people are paying attention to him. He starts like making all these decisions and it like turns the monarchy or the whatever into the, into the direction. It's all tilted and Mm -hmm. like, it's all suiting him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. After all that, he's like, you know what? I'm going to travel to the macrocosmos and ask for Lady Fortune's hand in marriage. The horse is doing this. Yes. Wow. And she is the one that originally gave him the fortune, right? Uh, like, yeah. like gave him good. But he's like, well, I want to be, I want to be in charge forever. So he goes, he goes out there yeah. into space, I guess, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, she's like, no, no, I'm not going to marry you, but you should marry Lady Vainglory. And, uh, he's like, yeah, that's cool. And at that wedding, there are like these figures that represent, um, well, like here's who shows up flirtation, adultery, carnal lust, and Venus. I'm going to go to this wedding. Right? It's so much fun. (laughs) But at the end of the story, we realize that Lady Fortune's whole plan with Favel was to give birth to more like terrible rulers like himself and to ultimately be a going to say this wrong. Yeah. Harb Harbinger 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 of the Antichrist. Whoa. Yeah, so this like this like evil horse and like this god of vainglory goddess. Like they just like have all these kids that are really gross, like half horse, half god, and then like hopefully it brings about the Antichrist. Yeah. That was her plan all along. Lady Fortune had this plan. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what do these horse babies look like? I did not get a picture of that. And I knew that that was going to be a problem. But I got other pictures. Um, but, uh, you know, here's the thing. Like, the whole, like, point of the story is. Yeah. While, like, Favel is all interested in his own, like, like gross children. Um, like, uh, like, like, the good guys come and restore order. Wow. I'm surprised you have a said like so many times. Y- yes, but yes, <laughs> at but, the end, yeah. <laughs> you do have a, a knack for finding monsters at the end of every idiom. Ba 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 boom, baby! Wow. And so this this all comes from this French poem. Yes, essentially. Yes. Wow. Now, can I show you? <laughs> you can show can me. Can I show you a picture? Uh, Look at this. Okay. Dude, so not only was this story long. It had like... It was an uh, epic poem then. Yes. Okay. It had 169 old songs in there. And then it had like all of these pictures in it. Look at this crap. Oh my. We got this is a horse and a chair and some people. And wow. How about this crap? Yeah. So there's some... These are some old horse drawings this you got what, here. This is what people drew in the 1300s. Is this, I was going to say this is 14th century? Yeah. Wow. I love the, I it, love the horse character. Isn't it awesome? Yeah. All right. Good for you. I have a fun fact. Okay. Only one, though. Okay. Uh, let me make sure I got it. I mean, it. the fun fact, there's, the whole thing's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. His name, mm-hmm. F-A-U-V-E-L, Favel, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It stands for, it's an acronym for the vices that he embodies. Flattery, avarice, vileness. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not a you. 
<laughs> but in French, the word? Yes. Okay. Because they used U's for V's sometimes. <laughs> uh, variability. Okay. Which means I think you like a lot of different things. Yeah. Envy and laxity. But, um. F A. <clears throat> V-V-E-L instead of, yeah. But it's a French name. So wouldn't yes. all of the, the words be French words? Yes. So all they, the French they, words also begin with the same yes, letters? Yes. And I, I wrote them down, but the, I didn't write them down. But they, but they all begin with the same letters? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that fun? Yeah. I'm surprised. All right. Final thing. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the song of Fauvel? Wait until you see him. They're gonna. Sh- so we're watching a video. Looks like a priest, but it's not a priest, is it? Well, remember they like. They all wanted to see him. And okay, and there's a guy dressed in a horse costume, dancing to the music. Wow, very expressive. I just can't tell if the, that part hanging down is his mane or his dick. <laughs> anyway, so this is, is the a horse, real play. The horse is the one singing here? Mm. Like supposed to be singing? Hard to tell. Okay. Well, we'll, well maybe we can post Look it. Look at that. Look at that. Well, anyway. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. So we'll add that for the... Uh, maybe we'll put some of that on Instagram. Yeah. Because it's just not fair that no one gets to see it. No. But, uh, but basically it was a man singing in French and a horse dancing on a stage. Yes. Right in front of a lantern puppet. Yes. Of a Ferris wheel. Oh. Carousel? Right. Car- <laughs> Different things. I'm the one that gets that wrong. <laughs> anyway, curry favor, my man. There Cheers, it is. man. Cheers that was very, that. very good. Ching. I like that a lot. And how about how lucky it was that it had something to do with France and we went to France. That is good job. I'm impressed. And concise. Wow. Oh, it didn't I didn't feel No, I felt good. All right, good. It was a good time. I was trying not to look at my notes too much. You did good. Thanks. All right. Um all right, moving to second idiom. Ooh, it's time. It's time for Ryan <clears throat> to go. All right. So as we mentioned, this is my last uh, this is our last uh, episode in no! Barcelona. Oh, in Barcelona. Uh, right. Because I'm moving to Rome um, to teach in uh, Italy for a little while. Because, so, you know, when in Rome. When in Rome. You go and do podcasts in Rome. Um, so I decided to make my idiom a little bit based around that. And uh, oh, I came up with would. Uh, um, some might say uh, American leaders in uh, politics right now are fiddling while Rome burns. While Rome burns. Mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah, probably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? Hmm. It's like you're wasting your time with stuff that doesn't matter mm-hmm. while big important things are happening and you're ignoring it. Exactly. Boom. To do something trivial and irresponsible in the midst of an emergency. Yes. To fiddle while Rome burns. Awesome. Oh. Yeah. What? Ask me about the origin. Ask me. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) And now I just have a quick question. What do you think the origin of this idiom is? All right. 
We're back long ago. Long ago. Take me to a, a reasonable timeline when Rome was on fire. Nine uh, hundred? Sure. One. Year one. <laughs> They've been there. Rome has been around for a while. Shit. You right. can say year one. Say year, year one. one. Yeah. Year one. Rome is on fire. Remember, don't forget the, the Romans, you know, Pontius Pilate, Jesus Christ. Yes. All that stuff. Yes. So they've been around for a while. Right. So, All right. Year so one. one. Yeah. Year one. They're not happy about Jesus Christ. So the, they set the town on fire. The Romans, it's, they're not happy about the birth of Jesus Christ? Uh, are you? <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll let you go continue all right they're not happy about the birth of jesus christ so christmas jesus christmas and then they they uh yes they replace the holy water in the churches with gasoline and then when people smoke because everyone smoked inside back then boom they're going up in yeah, flames, flames right okay. right yeah, yeah the town fiddler mm-hmm is supposed to play at the church. Right. But he hates church because it's boring. And then when he sees it's on fire, he's like, And when you're talking about I don't think I don't I know that that's important, but like I'm just gonna go see how much change I can make over here. Yeah. By like um like the uh like busking. A busking by the like uh, subways and like subways. you know like the early subways, right? Right. Yeah. And so everyone's like, "Shouldn't you be over there?" And he's like, "I'm just fiddling while Rome burns." Right. But like, I like fiddling because this is my. This, you might think it's not important, but I do. It's important to me. I'm a fiddler. Right. Fiddler on the roof. Fiddler on the roof. <laughs> fiddler on the roof. Hat on. Cat on a hot tin roof. Cat on a hot tin roof. <laughs> Tennessee Williams. Scarlett Johansson. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Um, good. Tom Huck. Anything else? And then, and then, and then, and then, then what? That story just became popular. They're just like they think he's a dick, but he's actually like he's really attractive. Ooh. So he gets away with it. Mm. And then it just kind of caught on. And then on. just like he gets like a uh, like a room in a, in like a, a like a nice building that he just wow. lives there. <laughs> but he doesn't want for much. Yeah, yeah. And that's the lesson in the end. To not want, want for, much. for much. To not want, want for, for much. much. Why do you think Rome is burning? Right. Right. Good. That was pretty good. I think you mixed a lot of centuries <laughs> oh, into Oh my god, I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is they all stink because showers weren't invented yet. That's true. Um, pretty good. Pretty good. That's not right. But there's, there's some parts of it that <laughs> are less wrong. <laughs> are less wrong. Yeah. All right. Hit me with it. All right. First, um, so I was, I was looking for some, what are some famous examples of people using the idiom? Because you've heard that before. Have you heard that before? Beyond, yeah. um, beyond like idiom research and stuff? Yeah. Like... Fiddling while Rome is burning? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I was but like, I don't know where. Exactly. I knew, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, I'm going to do this one. I've seen it before, but I couldn't really think of where I saw it. So, and I, when I was looking up stuff, I, nothing was really coming up for famous usage of the idiom. So I went on to New York Times and I just like went on the search engine of articles and they I just, would know. They've used it in so many titles of articles. See that, people? That's how you know we've got the real stuff. 
New York fucking Times. <laughs> the New York Times. Just to throw out a few, just because since uh, I don't, I don't often bring them the examples, you know, that are being used. To fiddle while Tokyo burns. Yes. 1942. Hiroshima. Official says Americans fiddle as world burns. It's from 1951. Mm. An archbishop burns while Rome fiddles. 2011. See, they're Ooh, playing. That, with I like you how they there. play with it. Don't fiddle. Burn New York's trash. See, they're playing oh. with it. And, uh, and then this just goes on forever. Rome fiddles, we burn. And you see, the thing is, none of you are going to argue with the New York Times. And you're not going to look it up. So just <laughs> sit back. Just sit back and enjoy it. All right. So uh, there was a fire, the great fire of Rome, in 64 AD. Okay. So you're pretty close. You said one. A one. That's very close. You I, said 900 first, but, but eventually <laughs> went down to one. <laughs> I corrected myself. So there was a, uh, <clears throat> there was a, a stadium that was uh, used for chariot races called yes. Circus Maximus. Yes. And the fire started here because there are a bunch of merchant shops. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to a, an ancient... Uh, first century historian named Tacitus, where most of this story comes from, most of the information. Please, I'm from. most comfortable with Tacitus. You like the Tacitus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Circus Maximus caught on fire. And. Is that from the chariots zooming around zooming so around fast and so the wood? <laughs> the wood wheels, they're just. They're just like That's possible. Throwing spark. Details get lost with historians. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, so, eventually, things kept. Burning and the the fire spread until two thirds of Rome burnt completely, and three district three out of four fourteen districts in Rome were like decimated, did not exist anymore. What the hell was Rome made of? Another it was all rocks, wood. Oh, there's a lot of wood. See, but the, you know there's some stone stuff still. Yeah, it's good. But then they rebuilt, you know. Um, and then uh, so in total, seven of Rome's fourteen districts were just completely destroyed, and um. The emperor at the time, do you want to take a guess? Do you know? Yes. Who? Flavius. Flavius. Caesar. <laughs> Nero. Yes. So Nero was the emperor at the time. And Nero is, is, is uh, I, I think he's been unfairly treated by history and historians. Ooh. Little Nero's Pizza, Home Alone. Exactly. Remember that? Exactly. I thought that was just a. I thought they were just screwing around with Little Caesars. No, Nero was an actual emperor. Oh yeah. So he's an emperor. He he became emperor in 54 AD. He was 16 years old. That's so young. Came, came in there very young. His mom poisoned the actual emperor at the time, who was his uncle, with mushrooms, mm. so her son could become emperor, Wait, so she could have more. She power. had enough mushrooms to kill him. She she hired the local mushroom guy. <laughs> Poison guy, apothecary guy. Uh huh. What's an apothecary? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, you yeah. got it right. He uses like natural remedies that don't work, right, to so, make people feel better. So she married Nero's uncle, and she poisoned him so he'd die, and her son would become emperor, and that was Nero. Whoa. Yeah. So they, and they have a very. They have she a very, must have been hot. She's very, very powerful, very hot. She even got herself on a coin. Which coin? The, it was a, like the coin. That Is they, it around anymore? I mean, you can see it at a museum. Ah, 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, she got herself on the coin, and there was like no you, women didn't have power at the time. They couldn't be politicians or leaders or anything. So she was kind of using her son to get as much power as possible. Kind of sounds like some Game of Thrones stuff. Yes, it does. Um, anyway, so uh, eventually, um, I'm gonna get to the I'm gonna get to the fiddle part. This is fun. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> So eventually, you know, um, the uh, Seneca, who was the philosopher and teacher of Nero, was trying to be like, listen, your mom is a little overwhelming, a little overpowering. You yes. need to be more independent. And so he's like, okay, you're right. Yeah, I'm going to start being more independent. Mama did not like this at all. Yes. So she said that her, her son, her, wait, maybe it was like, yeah, like her ex-husband's son was the true heir. Ooh. So. Just to freak him out? To freak him out. So Nero had his mother killed. Oh. Would that, would that make the son less the heir? <laughs> well, he had the she heir. He killed the son. He, well, he killed him first. Oh, good. And then he was like, I'm also going to kill my mom. Yeah. And he tried to kill her in a collapsible boat. Didn't work. And then he had her stabbed boat. to death in her villa. Excellent. Right. So, so Nero is, is kind of known for these things, um, like pr- pretty horrible stuff. But he actually did some great things for Rome as well. But we're not going to get into that. Cause he was just thrown in too young. Thrown in too young. Right. It was like a child Ma- and actor. He had, and, he had, and he had like mom issues and stuff. Yes. So anyway, Nero was also like obsessed with the arts. He yes. like <laughs> He loved performing in public. Which embarrassed the Senate, too, and sure. like all of the politicians. Can you imagine if the president of your country was always like, and now I'm going to put on a concert, you all have to come, and I'm going to sing. Wow. So he was like this. He like loved performing. Well, for Clinton it. liked to play the sax. Exactly. That's what I thought Were of. Were you going to get there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Friends since third grade, everybody. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the only other example I can think of is Bill Clinton playing the saxophone. <laughs> but... But Nero would, would basically hold these, um, you know, like America's Got Talent-esque festivals, and he would be the, like, closing act. And he would, like, <laughs> sing. He'd be like, so who's the best here? Oh, wait, there's one final contestant. Yeah, Nero! Nero! <laughs> I invented pyrotechnics for this. <laughs> and that's how Rome burned. So close. Um, so he was, he was known for, like, singing and playing the lyra and, um, you know, like that string, that old stringed instrument. Um, yeah. And so the, the, the legend is, and this is written not only in, in uh, the history written by Tacitus, but other historians after him. Tacitus was only, this historian that wrote, first wrote this, was only eight years old at the time of the fire. He wrote it when he was eight? No, he eventually wrote it when he was older. Oh, but cool. He became a historian. Eight-year-olds cannot focus. Yeah, they cannot write history. Anything. They cannot write about the uh, Roman history. So uh, he said... Uh, I'm going to read directly from him Um, because Rome was on fire. Nero was the emperor at the time. And Tacitus says, as as an eight-year-old, as an eight-year-old, yet his measures, popular as their character might be, because he opened up all the public buildings to like the people trying to escape the fires. Yeah. Failed of their effect. For the report had spread that at the very moment when Rome was aflame, he had mounted his private stage and typifying the ills of the present by the calamities of the past had sung the destruction of Troy. Holy shit. So Rome's on fire and he was putting on a play? And he was singing the, about Troy. Fuck 
Troy. What, what is that? Isn't that the same thing? So uh, uh, over centuries and centuries of historians sort of like messing things up and, and changing words and changing things. And it eventually turned to, um, to fiddle while Rome burns. A fiddle's a violin. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, yeah. the, but the fiddle didn't exist until the 1500s. So he couldn't have been playing the violin while Rome burned. Literally. I was going to say it was an egg corn, but I guess it's not. N- no, not really. Damn it. So if anything, he was playing the, the lyre. Wow. Right? And, and he is a liar. And he is a liar. <laughs> right? I guess, I mean, is he a liar? Probably. He's a politician. Yeah, probably. So, but there was, there was some other, I found this old 1940s study on, on the, the origin of the idiom. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So I don't know how interesting this would be. But um, there's a Latin word, fides, meaning string, meaning like a stringed instrument. Yeah. That was used by Cicero, who also used the diminutive form fidicula, which was used by Pliny to indicate the constellation known as the Lyra. So Pliny you know, like, the Elder. So Exactly. Boom. So you know like the constellation that looks like a harp? You ever seen that before? No. Okay. Well, it's the constellation Lyra. <laughs> I was going to lie, but... And it was... So, like, there's also this connection between the, the word Lyra and the, um, and the fiddle. Yeah. Like, like the, from the Latin roots. I mean, let's be honest. They got strings. Yeah. And then, like, also... They were so... They were, like... It was such a long time ago. Totally. They're like, that has strings. This that has, has strings. strings. So anyway, and then like, so years go by, eventually Shakespeare had something and they, they of introduced, course. yeah, they threw some, fil- I know you said uh, we fucked it up in the 16th century. Yes. And I was like, that's kind of where this idiom got fucked up too. Cause they brought in the fiddle with Nero in a play. And all of a sudden people were like, Nero played the fiddle while Rome burned. Yes, yes, yes. I wonder if but we he are sang. discovering he- that all of the things were fucked up in the 16th century. It, totally. I think that's the thesis of the, the this entire podcast. Yes. And so, someone should pay us should to get, realize these get, things. We should get big money for that. Um, yeah, so anyway, around the, the 16th century, the, the, the history, the legend of Nero sort of singing and playing um, the, that instrument, that stringed instrument, while Rome was literally burning, eventually turned into him playing the fiddle. But it didn't, wow. that didn't exist you yet. Know what? The, the, you know, instrument aside... You, know, you could be playing the mouth harp. The mouth that harp might be funnier. Play the mouth harp while while Rome is burning yeah. down. But like to be play, to be doing anything on stage while Rome is burning, and you're like, someone should create a fire department in here. Someone's gonna put a put the fire out. What about the aqueducts? <laughs> Bring out the aqueducts. Bring out the aqueducts. <laughs> Where were they? Bring out the aqueducts. Good job. Good job. They're setting me up. <laughs> hole in one, everybody. That is a hole in one. Um, <laughs> so um, you want to guess who, um, who everyone blamed for the fire? Ooh, Nero? Yes. Yeah. People said that he started the fire so he could build a bigger palace. Now, did he build a bigger? He, as soon as the fire kind of went out, he started building a new, bigger palace. Holy shit! But to uh, sort of, I guess, get people's attention away from the fact to settle he, the score, to settle the score. He said Christians started the fire, thus beginning the first persecution of Christians by the Roman Empire ever. Ever, 
he Nero Nero started it because wow. he said the Christians were responsible for the fire. And one of the people that he crucified is supposedly St. Peter, who was crucified on an upside-down inverted cross. Yeah, that's badass. And where that happened is where St. Peter's Basilica is currently in Rome. Wasn't St. Peter, like, the worst, though? Like, didn't he, like, a, didn't he, like, just, uh, like, when, when the quote-unquote Jesus died, didn't he, like, use that story to make himself powerful or some crap? Um, Am I thinking of a different saint? There's so many Paul? saints. Paul? We can edit this out, but I will say this. <laughs> One, two, three. I know who didn't start the fire. Billy Joel! <laughs> we didn't start the, the fire. fire. It, it was, was near and Nero. It was always Nero. The aqueducts didn't start the fire. Um, cool. All right. Do you want a couple fun facts? And then yes, I, and then I'm yes, done. yes, yes. All right. Fun fact, after, after the fire, Nero was so impressed with himself that he, <laughs> he, he built a 98-foot statue of himself. After, he got impressed with himself after the fire? <laughs> He's like, look at all this room. Yeah, I think it was just like, you know, I did some good stuff here. I, he really did help rebuild Rome after that, but he also built a bigger palace. So he built a 98-foot statue. It doesn't exist anymore. It was eventually like... Because people were mad. People were like, fuck this. And it was called the Colossus uh, of Nero. And Whoa. that is why the Colosseum is called the Colosseum because it was built near the Colossus of Nero statue. Nero. <laughs> Colosseum. Yes. Yes, I get. Um. All right. I already made one connection to something you said earlier about we fucked it up in 16th century, right? By the way, when he was writing this down, mm -hmm. I thought he was going to show me a sign that said, talking too loud in <laughs> microphone. I swear, right? That's funny. I was like, oh God, please don't say don't too loud. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, go ahead. The other thing that I was going to connect while you were talking, um, you talked about the horse kind of having its own palace. Yes. Nero was the nephew of Caligula. There was stuff about Caligula when I was looking up this horse. This makes sense because a Caligula, uh, he loved his horse more than any other thing ever. Yes. And gave he gave his entire, like, one of his first entire palaces to his horse. Holy shit. <laughs> Wait a second. And this was back when? I mean, first, first century. See? Mine wasn't until, like, the 14th century. The odds are that this was all a very clever, you know, combination of caring about horses <laughs> more than Good, real, real, real people. Good thought. Yeah. No, like I, no, was, no, no, look, I was, when I was researching, there was like this, they actually mentioned Caligula yeah. and like all about all this stuff. And, and I was just like, that's cool, man. Like. Oh, yeah. So I feel like maybe that, that poem, that, you, that French poem, was inspired by Caligula's horse. It could very well be. So anyway, Nero was Caligula's uh, nephew. So there you go. Was he really? Yeah. Jeez. I it. Um, so I think there's a connection between our two idioms. Wasn't Caligula really like... Wasn't he in like He's bad. He's bad. Really sexual. He's supposed to be really ugly, too. And he dressed kind of weird. Didn't they make like a movie Caligula or something? Yeah, and there's all kinds of stuff. Ugh. Caligula. <laughs> 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 um, all right. 
So what else uh, you got there? Uh, Nero's uh, had to commit suicide because some other dude was like, "Nah, I'm the emperor now." Um, because Just like that, well, Nero got too caught up with like music and theater and stuff, and was like, while Rome was burning, yeah, Rome was like, yeah, he was fiddling while Rome was burning, basically. Fuck. Metaphorically, you know, later. Yes. And so eventually uh, Nero was like in Greece. He's like, I'm going to sing. I'm going to play. Yeah. And then someone was like, no, fuck this. I'm going to be the emperor. And then uh, everyone and then everyone agreed. Like the army and the Senate was like, yeah, this guy's our emperor now. But he had to kill himself? And Nero was basically like, he became an enemy of the state. So he's like, I'm just going to kill myself. And he stabbed himself in the throat. His last words were, what an artist dies in me. Whoa. Because he felt like he was more of... I feel like he See, would have been more like better on a Broadway musical, you exactly. know? Like, like, well, like, why couldn't they just be like... Why can't you just be like, oh, you're the emperor now. I just want to keep being in plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, people already know me because I'm like, no... Like, is there fame? Right. Is I'm, there fame? Is there fame? <laughs> okay. And the final thing I wrote down... Yes. Which was... What did you say? You said... uh Lady Fortune. Yeah. Her plan all along was to make an antichrist. Yes. Well, I've got some news for you. The number 666 refers to the Emperor Nero. Oh, come on. (laughs) And? And supposedly by many historians and preterist theologians, Uh Nero is the antichrist. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Do you want me to? Do you want me to tell you why? More. <laughs> so Nero was was naturally despised by Christians for persecuting Christians and beginning the persecution of Christians. Right. Yeah. So he burned Christians for burning Rome. Yes. All right. Oh, so, he did. Yeah. Wow. Christians feared that Nero would come back from the dead. Even after his supposed suicide, Christians believed that Nero didn't, never actually committed suicide and he would rise to power once again Yeah, and create chaos for specifically Christians. So Shit. they used code in the revelation to yes. refer to him. Now, do you... <laughs> yes. Yes. Give do, it to me. Do you know what Gematreia is? Yes. What is it? It's when you... Love <laughs> no 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 it's, it's when you use numbers okay for specific characters in an alphabet oh gematria gematria I, I have no <laughs> idea so okay so um anyway the Greek version of uh, Emperor Nero's name yeah is Neron Kaiser and in Hebrew if in Hebrew there's a numerical value to every character of the yes. alphabet. And all of those added up equals 666. Yes. That fucking rules, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so we both have an antichrist yeah. in our fucking well, idioms without planning. Exactly. And there's theologians called preterists who believe that, that all the stories in the Bible actually already happened. Like it's not prophecy. It's actually based on things that happened previously. Right. So, like, the book of Revelation, which is supposed to be prophetic, is actually already about something that happened, and the Antichrist in the book of Revelation is Nero. Oh, sweet. So, there you go. Well, in my story, it's the offspring of a horse and, <laughs> and a, like, a, go- a goddess. <laughs> and a goddess? So, that's it. 
Wow, man, good. That was as close as we ever came to doing the same idiom, I think. It was very intertwined. A lot of, a lot of antichrist. Sorry, yeah. that's why I was writing things down. I didn't mean to freak you out. No, I'm good. Now I'm good, man. I'm good now, man. I'm pretty good. Anyway, everybody, that's episode 23. What the fuck In are the you bag. doing? In the, yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. We do an episode a year. What yeah, are you doing? Yeah. So, like, you know, we're just here to just tell you about one last thing. All right, so we're going to close the episode. You, if, you, if you're a long-time listener, then you know that um, we often get cross with people, and we've had lists of people we're cross with. Yes. Well, now we have three lists. Yes, the cross list has grown. And who, well, yeah, what's on the cross list? Well, well, let's start with the cross list. Yeah, who are we we'll cross with? And we'll tell you about the new list. Yeah. So, number one, mm-hmm. ticks. Yeah, Albert's very cross with ticks. Fucking fuck ticks. Like, I don't care if you suck my blood, but don't leave a disease in me that's going to make me tired forever, okay? I'm already tired. Yes. <clears throat> who else is... The next one was yours. Oh, yeah. I'm very cross with the bowl of yogurt that I spilled at the bed and breakfast in front of a bunch of old Europeans. Homemade yogurt. Homemade yogurt. I spilled it everywhere, and I was very upset. It was early. It was very early. We also would like to say that we're cross with the singing campers of Anso. Right. For... Most people would think being in a, a bed and breakfast that's attached, well, nearly attached to a chapel in a beautiful city is like a nice thing. But a, a village. Parent, what did I, a city. <laughs> <laughs> and if they, you I, saw it, you wouldn't know what to call it either. It was just like beautiful. It's all stone. Anyway, there were all, like 40 kids singing and there chanting. Were 40 children. Like Hanging out by the cathedral because I think they think that means something, and then they chapel, were si- not a cathedral. Si- cathedral, <laughs> and they were singing to the girls, and then the girls were singing back to them. It's like they have like twenty patriotic songs. Kids, kids these days. Kids these days, and also the French hikers that were taking too long at the lunch spot on <laughs> our hike. That's right. Yeah, very cross with them because, like, seriously. Keep going. Yeah, keep, don't, we don't want to be near you. We don't want to talk about how nice the hike is. No. All right, what are the other two things that we came up with? What's the All list? All right, now for the new list. New list. Born out of the cross list is settle a score. All right, settle the score. So we're going to settle the score. That's a thing now, so now remember that we do, this is something we do. We yes. settle the score. And the first person that we're going to settle the score with is whoever left a dent in the roof of our rental car. <laughs> There's a big dent. And if we get charged for that, we're I coming get, for you. If I get charged. <laughs> yes. Ryan did use his credit card. And um, the numbers are 555. And let's get right to the next list. Yeah. Okay. This is set the record straight. Yes. Yeah, let's set the record straight. All right. Let's set the record straight right here, people. Lyme's disease is a growing concern in the Pyrenees <laughs> Mountains. And furthermore, some people have sued the French government because of it. I think I read that somewhere. So, <clears throat> so we're settling the score. We're settling the score. Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. We're setting the record straight. We're setting the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, people always think it's the Pine Barrens with the ticks. Right. Right? Because you're like, I live the in Adirondacks a shitty place. With so the ticks. that's but, the price you pay. The, the Pyrenees also have ticks. And it's uh, no bueno. No. 
we would just like to thank everyone for hanging in there for seven long months. <laughs> I hope no one was holding their breath out there. No one's holding their breath out. But you know what? We fucking love doing this show. And we love each other since third grade. And we love you. And we love road trips. <laughs> yep, we love road trips. And like, you know, just like we, we oh, also drank. Uh, Why are you telling what's what we that drank? Called? Vermouth. We drank vermouth. We're supposed to talk about a special drink we drank. That's what they drink <laughs> in fucking Spain. That's true. So this vermouth's for you. This vermouth's for you. And, um, yeah. And until next time, probably in Rome. That's true. Don't, Don't be, be an, an idioma. Papa Piosto. Let's burn down the dance floor.